Welcome to Sacred Magic. Violet is on a quest to bring sacredness back into our everyday experiences. Anyone can have an extraordinary life when they are able to tap into the sacred magic within. Violet and her guests will be sharing their divine passions, inspirations, and stories of connecting with their sacred magic. We are so happy you have joined us today. Let's get started with your host, the magical creator of Discover Your Spiritual Gifts, Violet Rain. So hi, everyone. Welcome to Sacred Magic Podcast. I'm really excited today. Um, my adventure of bringing sacredness and magic together has really been a personal journey for me. So I'm excited to have this podcast and be able to talk to guests so that they can share their story. Today, I have one of my good friends, Anita. And Anita is the steward of Terramata, a space for energy work, crystals, hypnosis, past life exploration. And she's actually located in New Jersey. And the way I got to meet her is she flew out to Denver to take angelic Reiki. And we were kind of instantly connected, just like she instantly connected with a lot of the folks here that absolutely love her and love her energy. And she brings such a wealth of information and work to um, the world. So I can't wait to talk to her about lots of the things that she does. Now, I'm going to be truthful and say I have never, ever, ever taken a yoga class. And we're talking to a amazing, I'm sure, yoga teacher that's been doing this. So Anita, share with me a little bit about your story and your journey, because it's really amazing on what got you doing what you do today and a little bit about what you do today. Well, I think that um, you'll probably resonate with this, uh, too, is like to, to, to find the origin point is difficult because uh, I think like you, you're a living example of this. I've had the blessing in this lifetime to really respond to the call of the soul. And so in retrospect, I look at my life and I see little signposts that were pointing me towards the work that I'm doing now. But um, I was blessed to be born into a Hindu family. So concepts like reincarnation and meditation and um, the philosophy that belongs to yoga, Hinduism um, was around. And uh, I did practice physical postural yoga as a little kid. We did that. We played around with it. Um, and I remember getting my first mala beads from my mother when I was about nine years old, eight or nine years old. And so learning how to use the beads to recite mantra and chanting, um, that was one like milestone that I can remember that was significant as meditation has become really probably, I want to say the foundation of everything that's grown from it. Um, so I guess like in, in more terms of adult life, like many people who are sensitive, um, I struggled with anxiety, depression, etc., trauma. And at around the age of 16 or so, because it was in my world and my frame of reference and my family supported it, I began meditating, also began 
reading um, about psychology and being really interested. I read Freud, The Interpretation of Dreams at 16. Um, and all of this really drew me. Anything philosophical that helped me to understand what are human beings? What is our nature? What is beneath the surface really drew me. And so kind of parallel from about 16 on, I was fascinated with psychology. And I knew that in this lifetime, I was going to be in the pursuit of enlightenment. I looked more into Buddhism too, and, and what Buddhism was about. And um, then began practicing physical yoga, only because I read Be Here Now by Ram Das. And in reading through it and really resonating with the aspects that had to do with all that was philosophical, all that had to do with healing um, the emotions, the heart, and understanding a larger picture in life, all of that I was down for. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to physically do something in order to pursue this path of enlightenment. That, um, And so I started uh, playing with in a focused way, working with the postures of yoga around 18 or 19 years old and um, did what people do, what, you know, went through trials, had challenges, difficulty, went through college, had relationships and like was on this path of, of working in mental health and knowing that I didn't necessarily believe everything I was learning as I was going through my education and um, went to graduate school, did all of that stuff. And in the midst of my PhD program in clinical psychology, I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening, which I saw as like a signpost of the universe. And it didn't feel like this at the time. It felt like the craziest thing that could ever happen. Um, <laughs> it just, if you're, if you're not familiar, everything turned on at once. And it was spontaneous in that I was not doing specific practices to awaken this surge of spiritual energy. It happened, I see now, because I was never meant to be an academic. I was never meant to be in that box of ten tenure track publications or um, simply working with psychology to help. And I had been doing what a good student does and like kind of keeping all of my mystical aspects sort of in a compartment. They blew up and to divert my path. And at that time I realized two things, long story, very short. I was meant to be a parent and I was not meant to be an academic. And so I ended up leaving the PhD program, ended up um, doing masters in social work at Rutgers, caring for my mother as she had cancer. And I met my husband with whom I have two beautiful children. And, uh, went into a phase of, of raising my kids, of course, um, characteristically with the ethics that I had learned from studying yoga philosophy. And then um, when my youngest was two or three, I decided I was going to go to yoga teacher training for myself. I had already been practicing Reiki, which was interesting too. It turned on everything that I learned during my Kundalini awakening, where I was also doing shamanic work with a Brazilian group. So I was doing spirit intermediation in my early to mid twenties. And I knew what Reiki was. I had received it a couple of times, but having received that attunement, I started to immediately reconnect with that presence. And so 
became a yoga teacher, didn't think I was going to teach yoga, thought I was going to bring it back into the state psychiatric when I returned to my nine to five job there. But um, that path unfolded pretty rapidly. Went through training, they were surprised to have a student that knew philosophy and they needed somebody as the ink dried on my advanced teacher training certificate. Um, I was asked to stay on to be one of the trainers to teach philosophy um, to the 200 and 300 hour students. So I leaned into that. I started helping people around me using energy, using crystals, using Reiki, um, which had been sort of my secret for the previous 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I entered into this community where everything that I hid about myself was incredibly valued and it was strange. It took a little while to integrate. So after a few years of helping people around me, my inspiration, the owner of the yoga studio where I work was like, you need to open a space here. We'll knock down walls. We'll build you an office. I want you to be able to help people the way that you've helped me. And I'm like, no, but I have to go back and get an office and like, you know what I mean? And go do what I had planned to do with all of this conventional education. And it didn't unfold that way. It was the moment that I did uh, Angelic Reiki level one and two. Um, and this was in Boston in um, 2019. That through the course of receiving this modality, one, I really tapped the shamanic stuff that I had acquired once more, reawakened. Um, and I walked out of that weekend being like, I have a responsibility it wasn't about, can I do it or can't do it? I have a responsibility to share what's come through with me through receiving this modality to help people. And so I opened my space. Um, I opened in 2020, a physical space six weeks before I, uh, before COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was perfect because I also began doing, um, I also began doing Akashic record readings over Zoom. And so I had a mechanism both to create community doing angel circles on Zoom and also do readings over Zoom with people all over the world. And uh, so that's oh, the long and short. <laughs> it's a great, great story. You know, I there's like five different topics I would love to talk about, right? Um, I, love, I love the fact of your expertise and wisdom. And every time I get to hang with you, I just absorb like a sponge from you. Um, and so I love that fact of being able to do that. I think my first question I really want to talk about is Kundalini awakenings, because some people that are listening today have no idea what that means. What is that? What does that look like? What can happen to someone that's experiencing that? And what advice do you have for them? So um, it's interesting because that's a, that's a really big question. And um, I really am blessed to see that experience as being incredibly purposeful in my life. Because if you've gone through a Kundalini awakening or somebody who you know has gone through a Kundalini awakening, it's a noisy process. It's, it's one that has led to people dying and also ending up in institutions. And that's why I say, I know that this was purposeful. I had spent um, years prior to having this happen to me working in settings 
with people who were undergoing severe psychiatric meltdowns, um, so-called schizophrenia, because it can look like that. There are many people that are sitting in facilities, and I've worked with them, where I could see what they were, what was happening to them was a spiritual crisis. It wasn't a what we would understand as a quote-unquote strictly psychiatric event, um, and so what had happened was um, it initially began with me having very spontaneous visions, mystical experiences that um, I was able to see things that I ordinarily hadn't. I was able to very directly perceive um, communication with beings out of body. Um, so angels, spirits, um, people who had crossed over. I would feel surges of energy through my body that would really move my body physically in that kundalini pattern. And I could feel karmic knots being untied. I had many um, spontaneous recalls of past lives that I had experienced. And I would go in and out of really kind of holding fast to this idea that I was going through a spiritual experience, having had the experience I, I had in psychiatric and also the knowledge of Kundalini prior to it happening mm -hmm. and also feeling like I was losing it because you have to understand I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not the most beautiful city in the world. And I was embedded in an environment with people who had no frame of reference. And in contrast, I was in graduate school for clinical psychology. So what people were seeing in me made them think I was losing it. But I knew, and this is what me, makes this seem so purposeful to me, is that I knew in my heart of hearts that what was happening to me was the Kundalini was rising because there was unprocessed things that were blocking me from connecting with my soul, some from this life, some from previous lives. And it was flooding through my consciousness very rapid, rapidly. So it kind of put me in that place of the burning ground or the dark night of the soul where people around me didn't know what to make of me. So I needed to be in isolation. And that's largely what I did. I remained at home. I had a couple of people and this was the blessing who at least I could trust enough with some spiritual understanding and background so that I realized, or I would hold this realization that if it could go through this process, that I would come through transformed. And it's an easier said than done when you're in the mix of it. But um, my emotions were all over the place. I would spontaneously have information come in that I didn't have a frame of reference for. And I didn't know it was true and it was not true. And so the best thing that I did for myself was to sit in meditation, to physically move my body and remain connected with people who could um, at least have enough empathy to trust that part of me inside that was like, remember, I do this work. I don't need medical intervention. I don't need psychiatric intervention. I need time for this wave to crash. And there are times when I thought to myself, Jesus, anybody, angels, why didn't I have a teacher during this time? And the answer to that question is because I needed to become that teacher. Because now with consciousness 
rapidly expanding on the planet, more and more people are having experiences like these. And I can now say confidently that when I'm helping my students, my clients to really clearly discern what is the voice of the ego versus what is the verse voice of the soul, I can speak of the consequences of not being discerning. I can speak of that because I experienced it. I experienced being frightened by what came in. I experienced um, having to learn how to discern what was a negative thought, what was energy coming in, how to keep in my presence only beings that are light in an open state. And so it was like, really, it was the lab of my experience. And I learned a lot during that time. From beginning to end, it was October until May. And then I regrounded and learned a lot from the experience. And I didn't know exactly what it was for. And I didn't talk about it. You know, it's, you know, lots of people, like you said, are going through that. They come into the center um, they come into classes, they schedule appointments, and they're like, I'm seeing things, I'm hearing things, things mm-hmm. are opening up, I don't know what this is, I don't know what's going on. And sometimes it's an individual that's asked for clarity, connection, and what they don't realize is when we ask to be connected, it makes us sensitive to mm-hmm. everything around us, sensitive to light and energy and people and influences that sensitivity gets heightened and then they don't understand how to protect and sort out all the energies that are happening. Mm -hmm. And so they just get overwhelmed with what's going on and people think they're crazy. You're exactly Mm -hmm. right. Their family, their friends go, okay, you need medical, psychological help. Something's Mm -hmm. going on. And really that's not it. It's just they're spiritually opening to who they are and it takes time to settle or find someone that can support you. Right? So I've had lots of people come to the center and they're like, Violet, I don't know what this is. And I'm like, you're normal. You're okay. Mm -hmm. Let's sit down and talk about what we can do. What's next. Um, you've, And and most of the time when I ask somebody, have you been asking for change in your life? Have you been asking for direction? Have you been asking for guidance? Have you been asking for connection? They're like, yeah, well, this Mm -hmm. is it. They're opening you up to be able to do this. And it can happen on a soul level as well as a physical level that you're asking for this. It's part of that shift and change. And more and more of that's happening right now. So to have people that are out there to help is so, so important because people feel lost. Their whole world turns upside down. And I'm sure yours did too. Everything that you had invested, everything you were doing was now, okay, back up 10 steps and regroup. And you're going in a different direction, right? Uh, Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so much um, variety in terms of, of how, uh, how the opening can happen. And, uh, you know, in my particular situation, it was, I was really headed down the wrong path, which objectively to the world, maybe looked like the right path, uh-huh. get a PhD, open a private practice, get a tenured perfect professorship. All of that sounds like a great, you know, 
3D package, right? You're, that's what we're here for. Work, produce, consume, get a good job, all of that stuff, the prestige and then the letters in front of your name, all of that sounds great. But my soul was not having that. And I think that that might've been the volume of it. And, you know, self-honestly, I can see this really clearly having that doctor in front of my name was ego. It was ego because I was always an intelligent person, but I wasn't always a great student because I didn't feel like there was a place for me. But then this idea now, uh, you know, I go through college and I get a scholarship to a PhD program that's a one of a kind. And like there was a part of me that didn't want it because of um, fully because of what I was going to be able to serve through. There was a part of me that um, a vulnerable part that uh, wanted to be important. And I think that's that piece that this awakening helped me to put into words because you can see it. Like we start out with this idea, you know, like our, our soul comes through on what we're to do, but then what comes down to go through the steps, we get distracted by those parts of us that are vulnerable, that are wounded, that have been made to feel small. And sometimes those can kind of take over what the Kundalini does when it, when it rises is it comes in, it can come in like gangbusters kind of putting in front of you these shadow aspects in rapid succession. And um, I do believe it was a soul level choice for me to go through it in exactly the way that it unfolded. Um, because I love um, that. I, I love that. I'm the kind of person that like, if I know that there is going to be suffering, I want to lean into it and I want to lean through it. And that I will take, high risk, high, re high reward in order to evolve. And That's what um, makes you so special is you're willing to lean into things, whereas other people are like, nope, too hard, too painful. I'm done. I'm out. And what they don't realize is when we lean in, that's when we get the best golden nuggets. Yeah. And I, I, I fully sit here as somebody who, you know, and I know you do too, like we work in the world of past lives. And like, when you're immersed in that world, you see life so differently. Um, people might think, well, if you think that you have many lives to come, you don't do anything now. But for me, I feel like the significance of having that long view of, I could like a psychologist, look at my lifetime and the struggles that I've had and the so-called bad things that I've experienced as um, being a shame or bad circumstances, but they were all very intentional in, from the soul's perspective in that like, even, oh, well, you know, maybe this happened with my parents or that happened with my parents. I chose my parents. I chose my parents and I chose those traumas I experienced as a child so I could learn how to go in and out of my body because it's useful now. And the important part being the get back in <laughs> to be in the body and also project the soul outwards or the consciousness outwards, a skill that one learns when they learn how to dissociate, they just learn it incompletely. That's when it's great to have teachers around, but, but also too, to have the experience of the difficulties in interpersonal relationships with my parents prepared me absolutely to work with the clients that I worked with in psych, the clients that I work with. Um, in energy, all of it has been purposeful, all of it. And um, well, now well, when you see it that way, it makes it hard to be controlling over one's own path. The soul has it covered. 
It's true. And past lives are so important. I get lots of people that are like, oh, I want to, I want to know what my past life is. And I can tell when they're looking for entertainment Mm -hmm. and when they're looking to really learn because our past lives are teachers. And when you start looking at your past lives, you learn where you didn't lean into things, where you didn't move through it, where you didn't heal, release, and let go of things, where you Mm -hmm. didn't clear out your karma, you ignored it. And guess what? You carry it with you until you clean it up. And so those of us, at least for me, working in past lives, what it's taught me is I'm here to do the work. And I'm either going to do the work in this lifetime or I'm going to come back and do it again. And guess what? I want to do as much work as I can because I'm looking forward to those lifetimes where I don't have as much karma and work to do. And I can come and sit under the tree and enjoy life and eat bonbons. And I think that's possible, right? Um, life, past lives are teachers for us. They're guideposts of what we, you know, I I think of video games today, and most people can relate to this. Those of you that play video games, and I'm not a video game player, but the one thing I've learned is people master a level, and then they go back in, and it's really easy to get through it because they know all the pieces. Guess what past lives are? It's about figuring out the levels and what you can master in this level, so then you can come back and enjoy and pick up all the nuggets and not have to do the work. It's really what this is about. So, and I'm sure you see that in your past life. When we tap into past lives, they're teaching us. They're giving us insights and guidance to what this lifetime's about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, so uh, at least for, um, you know, a student of, um, of uh, yoga philosophy, like I like the idea. I mean, there is, we do use the metaphor of storing. Um, and in the chakras, the kamrashya in each of the chakras. And uh, we describe the chakras as having rupees, which are movement or wave patterns that are created by previous karma. And they're like vortices. They will attract exactly what it is that is unfinished until it's cleared. And so there's so much about the past life that is right here, right now. Um, cause I do readings in which, um, I pull out these karmic patterns that currently affect your ability to align with the soul's call. And I also do regression. They kind of do the same thing, just a different avenue, you know, different breadth or scope of information, different experiment, experiential involvement. Uh-huh. But the idea is that we are going to like their past lives are right here. The very same patterns we attract in the immediate bear the imprint. So it kind of works both ways. Like our immediate today will let us know about who we were and who we were will help us give us a lens to see more clearly who we are right now. And I find that, um, especially having worked very consciously with people in the world of mental health, where the dogma is, is that everything's rooted in childhood. And that those childhood patterns are, are generating what's happening right now. It's the past life that contributes to the choices that we make in terms of where we incarnate. 
And the experiences that we attract in early childhood are the remnants of a past that we maybe don't remember. Most of us don't remember. And so it's, it's this beautiful cycle of like, wherever you look, you'll see your soul. You look in the childhood, look in the past life, look in your immediate. And I'm really big on it being about progress, being about choices and actions in the moment, because karma, like we do, we do create with our consciousness, with our thought, but to move energy around here action is key. Mm -hmm. And to spin around in your head with all this knowledge about the past life isn't as helpful as seeing yourself in a moment where you're making a choice that's creating suffering. And in that just split second of awareness, you go this way instead of that way. That's how you unmake karma. You can melt away patterns just by being a keen observer of yourself in the moment. And if the past life is a tool, if knowledge about the past life is a tool for you to revision and to see yourself more clearly in the moment, it's a valuable tool. Mm -hmm. If receiving a reading about the particular agreements, the contracts, the enmeshments that you've had in relationships in previous lives, if they help you to see yourself clearly, more clearly here and now, you really have the tools to unmake your karma. It's not necessarily um, an abstract or a mystical process. Um, and I feel like I use the tools that I have to that really to hand the power back to the person. I'm here always. If you see me, you have my cell phone number. <laughs> Text me whenever you want, but I'm gonna remind you that the tools are in your hands. And even if I'm repeating the same thing over and over again, keep it real simple. It's all about making this choice that aligns with who you know who you are. You don't have to think about the mountain, just the next step that breaks you of the old habit, the old pattern. Well, I love that because <clears throat> you're always talking about you have to take action. You can't sit on the sideline and expect things to change. Yeah, it's work. It's it's work. It's what we do. It's, it's really paying attention to your life and what choices you're making and choosing. Now, does that mean we're perfect? I'm not perfect. I'm sure Anita will tell you she's not perfect. We're human in this experience, learning every day. Um, do we have opportunities where we say, wow, I wish I had said that differently or done that differently or took in a different action? Of course. Um, but I think the difference is, is we're constantly in reflection and looking at what's happening in our lives and around us. And we're constantly looking at our actions and at least taking action to move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. I think and that's the big difference. I really, I, I firmly believe this is that it's not about pushing the boulder up the hill. Sometimes it's the littlest choice. Like I'm sure that you've heard this a thousand times. You meet a new person in the center and they talk about how sensitive they are, which I believe they are and that they're feeling everyone else's feelings and, and, and they're overwhelmed by, um, you know, how much they feel from other people. Some people wear it as a badge and they want to be mirrored that they're special and mm. that's fine, but it is a real thing. It is a real thing that people feel vulnerable. They feel unprotected. We are in this soup together. We're one being. 
And for some people, it can be really distressing to be in the presence of somebody who is feeling strong emotion and they feel it. So the question is, what little tiny thing can you do to move energy, to move away from that pattern? What is the little thing that you can do? And it might not be a grand physical in the world gesture, but it might be the choice to just repeat the thought, I'm safe and I'm protected. Or I can ask myself, ask my guidance to come in and ask, am I feeling my feelings or am I feeling an emotion of another that is not my karma to bear? That could be a new choice to make. And then that maybe might have you feeling in a different place. It's this reminder, one, you can ask. That's a big, I think that's a big mind blow for people. You can ask, you can ask your teachers, you can ask people around you, but you can ask them too. Mm -hmm. And you can ask, is it this? Is this my feeling? If it's my karma, if it's my feeling, if it's mine to feel, my opinion is bring it. Let me feel it through without the distraction of anything that isn't mine to feel. And right. uh, just that little thing, like with something that's so very common, I feel overwhelmed by people around me. How about one choice that you feel it happening and you bring your consciousness into a different place. I love that. I love that. Well, talk to us a little bit about if somebody wanted to connect with you and work with you, what's the best way to do that, Miss Anita? If they wanted to tap in, direct us to the right place. Sure. Um, I have a Instagram page where dreams go to die. There is tumbleweeds rolling through it. It's not my strong suit. I'm blessed to have um, many people that I just meet through word of mouth and I connect with and they have my cell phone. <laughs> but you can go to my Instagram page, which is Anita, A-N-I-T-A dot Taramata, T-A-R-A-M-A-T-A. And uh, you can direct message me, which is kind of what my Instagram has become, just a web-based way that people can direct message me. And um, yeah, I am now on the run teaching. I'm traveling a little bit more to teach. I'm hoping to have that continue. I'm officiating weddings now too, traveling to do that. So um, I'm actually going to hopefully do some sort of teaching event when I come to visit the center at the end of the month. So um, if that's there and you're in Colorado and you want to meet and say hi, come and see me at the center. What are the dates I'm going to be there? Is it the 24th? 24th and 25th, I believe, off the top of my head. <clears throat> don't, don't quote me, but it's a Sunday and a Monday. So I think it's the 24th and the 25th of July of 2022 that you're going to be there. Yeah, so and we're going to continue soon. to pull her out as much as we can to come and hang with us. We keep trying to get her to come out. One of these days I'm going to get her to my retreat and then I'm going to do yoga for the first time. I have a feeling. Oh yeah. I would love to. I would love to <laughs> bare minimum once a year. I'm coming to Colorado. I'm going to stay a couple of extra days cause I'm going to be doing soul midwifery um, with um with uh, Violet when um, when I come to visit. And I was like, is it okay if I stay a couple extra days? <laughs> of course. As I long as it. I'm coming all this way, this will be my third trip. Yeah, and we love having you every time. It's like, oh, we'll take you. 
We'll yeah. take you. Keep yeah. coming back. So, so if I get into the habit of this traveling around, you might see me again. Even I love it. Then again. I love it. Yeah. Anita, thank you so much for joining me today. Hold on for a little bit um, afterwards. We'll also have some um, ads and commercials afterwards. Check them out. Lots of good things happening at the Center in Space. And some of the things that we offer are national, so it's not limited to just Denver. So hang on. And um, thanks for joining us today. And I hope to see you next time at one of our future episodes. Are you looking for an opportunity to fill your energy tank? When was the last time you invested in self-care? Violet leads a weekend retreat every year in Woodland Park, Colorado. The purpose of the retreat is to reflect, restore, re-energize, and restore one's energy, focus, and direction. Violet's retreats provide the opportunities to connect, learn, and explore your healing and spirituality. What are you waiting for? You can find out more about this annual retreat at www.discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. Thank you for joining us. To find out more about Violet, head over to discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. You can also send a personal message to Violet through email, violet at discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. If you love this show, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Until next time, remember, we are all meant to have abundant and joyful lives. We hope to see you soon at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts.